why don't you open your Bibles and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 5. This is a fantastic story. If you, It's about the, the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the, the Lord. It's the Ark of the Testament. You've seen the Indiana Jones movies. And they, they come against uh, and find the Ark of the Covenant. And there's, there's no substantial evidence as to the whereabouts of the Ark at the moment. No matter what the Americans say, they haven't found it. So it disappeared after it was put into the first temple. That's the Temple of Solomon, I believe. And after that, uh, Herod's Temple, it, it disappeared. So it was never in the Herod's Temple. So just by way of description, I, it, was, it says here um, it was made of acacia wood, a cubit and a half long. So two cubits long, which is about three foot, so probably about that wide about that high and that deep. So it wasn't that big, but it was overlaid with gold. It had the cherubims. There's, these were like these statuettes who had wings and covering the back of the Ark of the Covenant. And um, they were facing each other. And they were all sort of made with gold. And it would be carried around by the, the children of Israel or by the, the priesthood. And it was incredibly significant. It was, it was stored in the temple in the holiest of holies. So it's incredibly important to God and his people. We go back to the, the story here. Um, it talks about how the Philistines, or the enemy of Israel, they took the ark of, of God, so they stole it. And he brought it from Ebenezer unto Ashdod. When the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon. Dagon was their god, he was a fish god. He had the body of a fish, head of a man, head and hands of a man. So they put the Ark of the Covenant with their gods. And when they of Ashdod arose early in the morning, behold, Dagon, which was their fish god, was fallen upon his face to the, to the earth before the Ark of the Lord. And they took Dagon and set him on his place again. And, and when they arose early in the, the morrow or the next morning, Behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord, and the head of Dagon and both the palms of his hands were cut off from the threshold. Only the stump of Dagon was left to him. So there was a real power there and a real offence towards the Lord. And it was a, just a, a supernatural event that took place. And he goes on in verse 6 to say, But the hand of the Lord was very heavy upon them of Ashdod or the Philistines and he destroyed them and smote them with tumors. It says here, it's a description, uh, emeralds, uh, even Ashdod and the coast. So all around they were smitten with these diseases and when the men of Ashdod saw that it was so, they said, the ark of God of Israel shall not abide with us for his hand is sore upon us and upon Dagon their God and they sent therefore an all and gathered all the lords of the Philistines under them and said, What shall we do with the ark of the Lord? And they answered, Let the ark of the Lord, or God of Israel, be carried out about unto Gath. And they carried the ark of the Lord of Israel about thither. <laughs> and it was so that after they had carried it about, the hand of the Lord was against the city with a great destruction, and he smote the men of the city, both small and great, and they had uh, emeralds or tumors in their secret parts and therefore they sent the ark of the god to ekron 
it went there and the Ekronites cried out, it goes on to say that the ark's come to slay us and our people. And it goes on in verse 11, so they sent and gathered together all the lords of the Philistines and said, send away the ark of the Lord of Israel and let it go again to its own place that it slay us not. There was a cry, the Bible says in verse 12, a cry went up to heaven. And so they, they had counsel in chapter 6, verse 1. It says, The ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines seven months. You'd think they'd learn their lesson in the first day, wouldn't you? But it was seven months there, and they suffered all this torment from the Lord because of what they did by stealing the ark of the testimony of the ark of God. So they counseled the diviners and the lords of the Philistines and the priests saying, what shall we do to the ark of the Lord? Tell us wherewith we shall send it to his place. And they said, if you send away the ark of the Lord or God of Israel, send it not empty, but in any wise return him a trespass offering. And in the effect of that is that then ye shall be healed. I'm not going to read the whole story, but they decide what they, they're going to do. And it verse 10 of chapter 6, it says, and the men did so and took two milch kine or two milking cattle, cattle with calves, and tied them to the cart. So they put the Ark of the Covenant on this cart, put two milking cows to tow it, and it says they tied them to the cart and shut up the calves at home. And if, you, if you have anything to do with uh, cattle, calving and anything like that, the little calves just don't stop carrying on and calling out to their mothers. And there's uh, times that when you wean cattle or the calves, they just go on for days and nights, you know, if you've ever done anything with cattle. So we've got a situation here that there's two milking cows uh, being taken away from their calves and they put uh, to drive this cart with the Ark of the Covenant on it and expected uh, to do something. And the Philistines said, well, if these cattle go straight down to where they're supposed to be going, then we know it's of God. In verse 11, they laid the ark of the, of the Lord upon the cart and the coffer with the, the mice of gold and the images of their tumours. So they make all these golden images as a trespass offering, um, hoping that they'll, the, these diseases will go away. And it says in verse 12, And the kine or the cattle took the straight way to the way of Beth Shemeth. And uh, Beth Shemeth was a place, and it means, the meaning of Beth Shemesh, I've, I've written it down somewhere, it says, the house of the sun. The Philistines, the enemy, they were observing the whole thing, and they said, well, if it goes straight down this way to Beth Shemesh, we know it's of the Lord. And we know that, you know, the Lord will forgive us for our trespass. So these cattle took the straight way and went along the highway, lowing as they went. So it was a difficult course for them because they'd left their young behind. Nevertheless, they were taking the Ark of the Covenant back to where it belonged. And it says, And the lords of the Philistines went after them into the border of Beshemesh. And it says, They of Beth Shemesh were reaping with their wheat harvest in the valley. And they lifted up their eyes and saw the Ark and rejoiced to see it. And the cart came to the field of Joshua. And it's also in the same vicinity. You know the story of Samson? You know, you've, you've heard of Samson, the, the tough guy. 
He was in the same area or the same region. Samson was born in Zora, which is, I think, 15.4 kilometers away from Beth Shemeth. So you had Samson where he lived up in Zora, up in the hills, looking down towards Beth Shemesh. And Samson means of the sun. When we look at the history of Beth Shemesh, that was assigned to uh, the tribe of Dan, and also Samson was of the tribe of the Danites, of, of Dan. And Beshemesh, of course, is the house of the sun, and Samson meaning of the sun. Samson, by the way, had this supernatural power that we, we all recognised was when the Spirit of God moved upon Samson, he was able to defy nature, he was able to uh, slay a lion, he was able to do this miraculous, he had this miraculous strength. And you and I have the same spirit, the same ability. Not that we go around strangling lions, but spiritually speaking, you've overcome, the Lord's overcome, and now you have the potential of doing signs, wonders and miracles through the hand of the Lord. We have a situation here, we have the cattle who reluctantly are taking this Ark of the Covenant, this treasure, back to its uh, rightful place. And, and when you look in the New Testament, it talks about how that this um, Ark of the Covenant, it was supposed to be sitting in the temple, in the holiest of holies. And the New Testament, it describes you and I, when we get receive the Holy Spirit, as being the temple of the living God, the holiest of holies. And you know, we're not to defy or deny, we're not to uh, do anything that would defile the temple of the living God. The living God now comes in a new covenant relationship with you and I, and he makes his abode within you. You become the temple. And uh, within the Ark of the Covenant had the um, Ten Commandments, the law, the old law. It had the, the rod of Aaron, which budded, the authority, and the manna, the pot of manna, which was all sort of symbolic of the Old Testament and the people, how they led their lives. But uh, you and I, have now the Holy Spirit within us. And the Holy Spirit is now able to guide you, it's able to teach you, it's able to um, intercede for you. And just like in the Old Testament, so this incredible opportunity now lies within your reach, that you're not under the old law anymore. And by the way, when it, the Ark of the Covenant came to Beth Shemesh, the people that looked into the Ark, I was it, 50,070 men perished because they were forbidden to look into the Ark of the Covenant. And you know, it's a bit like religion today. They're looking to the Word of God, but not understanding. They're looking with a completely natural mind, and they take the consequence because the, the Word of God is not meant for natural man. It's meant for spirit-filled man. So it's, it's the letters in the, in the New Testament in particular the epistles were written to spirit-filled churches, spirit-filled people like you and I. So it's not open to any private interpretation, the Word of God. Now, you need to be spirit-filled. You need to be uh, redeemed. You know, the word redemption means purchased back unto God. You know, you're actually being ransomed by the devil. If you're not baptized and spirit-filled here today, you've been taken ransom by the devil. In other words, you think you're free, but you're not. The Bible says you're dead in your trespass and sin. You think, well, I'm I'm a pretty good guy, you know. I never did, I never killed anybody, you know. But uh, it's only when you receive the Holy Spirit you understand 
then you're set at liberty. You know, you've been given this opportunity to live forever. You've been given then the opportunity to potentially be healed by the Lord, provided by the Lord, and all the things that the Word of God declares is yours for the taking. It's a fantastic position to be in, and, and it's, it's yours. It's free. You, know, you can't buy it. It's given to you by the blood of the Lamb, as we'll read on. The Bible talks about in Romans, it talks about a sacrifice. It talks about how that we're to present ourselves a, a living sacrifice to the Lord, which is a reasonable service. And as, as these two cattle went down to Beth Shemesh, they're actually going to be sacrificed afterwards. They didn't realize. But being in the Lord, as you heard in testimony today, is just a wonderful, privileged place to be. You know, the world, it, it appears to have everything, but it's actually got nothing. When you look into the lives of people out there, it's incredibly shallow. Every family's got its problems. You know, we've all come out of families and, and all the problems that go with it. And you think, well, what's the answer? You know, you get these, these cattle that forsook the young. And, and sometimes the criticism comes from our, our families. Oh, you, you prefer going to church than coming to a family barbecue or something. And it's because we've been purchased by the blood of the Lamb, isn't it? We've been restored now to where we should should be, should have always been that something that's been missing in your life. All the, all your days you've known it from your youth and you think, well, what is it? I don't know. And someone says something about Jesus. You know, the, the waters have been muddied and you think, oh, I've heard all that before. But it's not until you receive the Holy Ghost you understand what was missing all the time. We'll go to another scripture. So we'll have a look in Leviticus chapter 25 and my brother Nick was talking about the year of Jubilee recently and we're in, I don't know if you know uh, your history, but we're in a year of Jubilee. If to, For all the Bible scholars and people that know their history, the year of Jubilee, most of you know in 1917 was a deliverance of Israel by uh, General Allenby and um, Israel was freed, set at liberty, and uh, 50 years later and you had the Six-Day War, 1967, and of course 2017 has come upon us, which is another 50-year period. So we are expecting something to happen this year in the Middle East. It just talks about in Leviticus 25, in verse 23, it talks about, it's in reference here to the year of Jubilee when Things are restored, people are set free, people are set at liberty. But he just goes on to say here about the land. And we've all been, I suppose, involved with the purchase of land at one stage in our lives. I know we have, Julie and I, we've, we've sold land, we've bought land and we've been ripped off. And I said I had, I had the best block of land in the world in Harvey Bay years ago and be worth a fortune. Actually, you're looking probably at a potential millionaire, but I bought it for a song and sold it for a song, and it had sea views and everything. I think Andrew and Catherine have been, they lived up that way, and it was up in Pialba. It's now a big resort. But um, we've all felt at one stage we've lost something. You know, it could have been an inheritance that's gone from us. I was talking to a brother yesterday, and, and his background's about land being taken away from the family, and uh, but fear not, brother, it's the year of Jubilee. It says, the land shall not be sold forever. And these are the promises to the children of Israel. 
And um, spiritually speaking, it's the same thing. You know, you might have been robbed of your jewellery, but this is the year of Jubilee and the Lord can give back. He says, The land shall not be sold forever, for the land is mine, for you are strangers and sojourners with me. Sojourners, sorry. Travellers with me. And in all the land of your possession, you shall grant a redemption for the land. And the word redemption is geula. That's Hebrew. So you've just learned a new Hebrew word, geula. And it means to purchase back of something that has been lost by the payment of a ransom. So in the case of our salvation, Jesus has purchased us back. He's paid the ransom. So we've been stolen and now Jesus has laid down his life and by his blood we've been purchased back unto himself unto the living God. So that's what it meant here. It says, you shall grant a redemption for the land. And he goes on to explain all the things that were required and, you know, and if he, he couldn't afford it and all this sort of stuff. But there was a clause there where somebody could return back to their, their land that they were, that they inherited and buy it back if they had to sell it at one stage. So, some great promises and some great formulas that worked back there, but it goes so much more about the year of Jubilee. And as I said, we've entered into the year of Jubilee this year. So we're expecting a lot to happening, like Henry's uh, Tuesday night, he's talking about the Middle East and what's going on in the Middle East. And uh, the year of Jubilee is very significant in Israel at this stage, whether you believe in God or not. Psalm 130. It says, Out of the depth have I cried unto thee, O Lord. This is verse 1. Uh, Lord, hear my voice. Let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplication. So you're in despair. Whatever's happened in your life, it's really got to you. It's like being in the belly of the whale. You know, you've all been there at one stage where you just feel like you're at the lowest time of your life. Everything's gone wrong. And think, what do I do? What do I say? It says in verse 3, If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? You know, who's righteous? Who's done everything right all their lives? And it certainly wasn't me, you know. It says, But there is forgiveness with thee, and thou mayest be feared. So, you know, the whole world might have its opinion of what, and who you are, that the Lord's able to forgive. It says here, it says, I wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say more than they that watch for the morning, that Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him plenteous redemption. And he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. So he's able and he's promised to purchase you back to himself and blot out all the past. So the opportunity is a brand new start. An opportunity is to put on the mind of Christ. There's an opportunity to take on all the promises of the word of God and have the fullness of life. You know, whatever your heart's desire is, the Bible says, he's able to bless you with it. It talks about faith. You know, without faith, is impossible to come near God, to please God. But with faith, all things are possible. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, he gives you that measure of faith. 
that you might build upon. So you don't have to do it in your own strength. You don't have to pass an exam, you know, answer the 20 questions. You just get filled with the Holy Ghost and let the Lord do the rest. So Ephesians chapter 1, is Paul the Apostle writing here to the church at Ephesus. A bit like us, the church of Ephesus. Same amount of people, sort of. Same disposition. So Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Jesus Christ, grace be unto you and peace from God, our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I think the big thing about the church of Ephesus is they they really had something. And uh, we, we went through all this ter- uh, before together when we were looking at the Psalms that the church of the Ephesians really sort of, I guess, catered for one another, you know, just took personal interest in one another and helped one another and sort of it was like a cultural thing. Perhaps this this thing coming up uh, lunch on the greens is is more than just lunch on the greens it's to show you that we we care for you and we invite you just come and join us it's more than just having a feed you know it's it's about loving one another caring for one another and catering for one another you know the lord's it's all right saying i love you but then there's a way of presenting that understanding by serving each other is a show that you mean well. You are uh, determined to see that your brother and sister is well catered for. So it's important to feel loved. Whether you come to church or it's a family situation, it's important that you understand you need to show love. How can you expect someone to love you if you don't show love? And it's unconditional love too. You know, Although you may get hurt time and time again, you show the love of God to people in their lives and it will change them. Because it's it's a greater thing, isn't it? You know, than than hate or fear or this sort of thing. Anyhow, Ephesians chapter one says, Paul the apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints or those that are sanctified, those that are sealed by the Holy Ghost, which are at Ephesus to the faithful in Jesus Christ. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So I guess it's not so much what we own right now, but it's what the Lord says, I've blessed you with spiritual blessings. So you have an understanding. Now you know the truth. You don't have to fear anymore. You don't have to worry about what's on SBS, what's coming. He said, I've blessed you with understanding, with spiritual blessings, that you're able to discern these things. You're able to discern the signs in the sky, the things that are coming upon this planet. You don't have to fear about what's happening. They're destroying the place. We all know that. According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us, unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ. That's a choice thing. You're predestinated if you choose to be. So it's a calling. You haven't just come here just because you've got nothing better to do. It's a calling that we might share the word of God together, that we might hear the spiritual gifts which edify the church, that we might have communion together to remember what he actually did for us, Jesus Christ. 
you know, by his shedding of his blood and, and the breaking of his body, you know, that the stripes that he bore for the healing of the nations, and it's very applicable to you. You won't hear that in the Catholic Church. Christ died and rose again to give you a brand new way of life. Fantastic. We've got a said baptism tank getting filled up straight after the meeting, round at the golf course, and it's got your name on it. <laughs> so um, get right with God. You know, it's, it's the only way to travel. He's trying to work it out. You look in the Ark of the Covenant, what will you see? A little pot, a rod, and a couple of bits of stone. That's all you'll see. It's nothing. It's the significance of the whole thing. When you get baptized, you think, well, I'll just get wet. I'll go outside and get wet. But it, it, to God, it means everything. And to you, it means salvation. The start of your journey with God through to the eternities and prove it for yourselves. Don't just listen to what I've got to say. It's the word of God. It says here, he's predestinated us in verse 5 unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ. Big family. You know, you've been adopted unto the children of the living God, to his family. That's who you are. And it's not because we, we've earned it. It's because we've responded to his word. This is to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption. Here we are. We have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he has abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will. You know, you might have been brought up in some culture some mindset, you may have never had opportunity to go through uni, but you may not have ever had that opportunity. I left school at 15 and we never had the opportunity, but you have opportunity now to understand the Word of God, which has been fashioned through the years, through the ages. You have a, you're an opportunity to know the mind of Christ, you know, to know the wisdom of God, to know the Creator himself a personal relationship with God, you can't get much better than that. Anything you really want to know, you know, and in, in the ages to come, you'll be able to stand with the Lord and say, well, why did you let this happen or why did you do that? And can you show me the rest of creation, you know, the stars and the galaxies and beyond? You've got a Star Trek. It's got nothing on what's to come, you know. That's a bit old-fashioned, isn't it, Star Trek? Uh, yeah. People used to follow that, by the way. Yeah, Star Trek is a real culture of its own. They have the language. What was the Klingon language, wasn't it? Somehow? Yeah, the Klingon language. In verse 13, it says, In whom you also trusted, that after you heard the word of truth, or you've heard the word of God, it says, The gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believe, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So that's what, our expectation is is that when you come along, you don't go away with nothing. You go with something, you take something, and he said you can have the Holy Ghost. You're baptized by full immersion, pray to receive the Holy Spirit. You'll know because you'll um, speak in tongues as the Spirit manifests itself. And it says when you're sealed with the Holy Spirit and promise, verse 14, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. In the Amplified, it talks about a down payment. The Holy Spirit is a down payment. And when Jesus comes back, you'll know all about it. You're tra transformed in a twinkling of an eye. 
and you'd be changed into his likeness. It sounds just out of this world what it is, but it's our expectation. It's what the word of God says will happen. The only way to prove it is to give it a go. And all the people said, Amen. Leave it there.